0: We're proud to say that this episode is brought to you by Interdubs, the standard for online work-in-progress posting. Go and visit interdubs.com and request a trial for your company. Welcome to this week's VFX show, our show that covers, well reviews really, uh, films both new and old and discusses the visual effects point of view from a critical point of view, hopefully from a helpful critical point of view. Uh, I am joined in my critique and uh, review of this week's film which is Men in Black by uh, two uh, well well known um, joint VFX showers, starting with you Jason Diamond. How are you sir?
1: Pretty good, how are you?
0: Good. So this is one of our um, sort of round-the-world eps, because you're in New York, I'm in Sydney, and we also have Matt, who's joining us from
2: London. I assume you're in London. Hi. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show again. That's right.
0: We, uh, we love it when you guys are on. And this week, we're talking about Men in Black 3. Now, we had a review of the Men in Black 1 and 2 show, and I was quite uh, comfortable in saying that I, like many people, didn't like Men in Black 2 very much, and uh, kind of dismissed it a lot and liked Men in Black 1. So let's kick off the show with a quick uh, review of the film before we get to the visual effects and just ask you, Matt, whether you liked 3 as much as either 1 or 2. Uh,
2: I did like 3, um, straight out of the bat, I did, did like it. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as I liked uh, the first one, Men in Black 1, but I liked it a lot more than I did Men in Black 2. I thought it was uh, was funny and fresh, and they felt like they had kind of gone back to its original roots. So, yeah, it got a big thumbs up for me. And you, Jason?
1: I, I hated 2. <laughs> I thought 1 was great, and I think 3 is the proper sequel that 2 should have been. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was well-written and, uh, you know, for what it was, it's a Men in Black film, you know, it's not The Fountain, you know. <laughs>
0: um, it's funny you mention that it was well-written because Sony actually started filming this without a finished script and when we were doing the review show of 1 and 2, I, I think I might have commented on this, I was very pessimistic about 3 because someone had literally, I think, I think one of the production stuff I think, had said... Yeah, maybe it wasn't a good idea to start filming without a finished script. And I was like, oh God, because every time somebody doesn't have the script down, I tend to hate the film. And so Sony literally deliberately started uh, shooting without the finished script, going to get advantage of uh, some tax breaks and the scheduling that um, that they tried to work out. But they built in um, the opportunity to have a break. And uh, so they stopped filming, knowing that they were going to you know, keep working on the script. And that actually took a lot longer than they thought they were. So... The fact that you think it's well written is almost a miracle because part of the film was shot before they even knew where it was going. Um,
2: yeah, but I, they
1: had three. I mean, three decent writers wrote on it. I mean, the first draft was Eton uh, or Eton Cohen, then David Cope, and then Jeff Nathanson. I mean, those are all guys who've written, you know, pretty decent films. Um, and I think each guy focused on a different section. I think the third guy focused only on the time travel stuff. Uh, in the sixties,
0: I guess for me the thing that made the film successful is that it did have an extra layer, and that extra layer was uh, well not just the time travel, but the time travel and the link to let's let's sorry, big spoiler alert coming. So if you haven't seen the film, stop now. The big thing that that made it work for me was that there was this extra layer of you know. Uh, what made Jason happy, and and this idea of uh, sorry Kay unhappy, and then and then the idea that uh, it looped back on um, on uh, the father that got killed at uh, Cape Canaveral, and I thought that was really good. I mean, I didn't totally. Well, I didn't see that coming, actually, I, and I knew there was something coming, but I didn't know what that was going to be, and I thought that was really nice. Um, I thought it came together really nicely, and it gave it a pathos that made it not just like they were playing caricatures of themselves, that, where they were just re-going over the same gags. So I thought that was really good. I also thought it was really good that they didn't trot out all of the same creatures that they'd seen in 1 and 2, because we had to see them because they were popular the first time round, and so... Um, even though some of those characters are great, it's good that they moved on with new characters, and it's good that they didn't dwell too long on the you know, blowing the head off. All oh, that's going to sting kind of thing that we kind of already got that, and we we needed something fresh. So yeah, I thought it was good. Um,
1: was the Chinese restaurant guy in the other movies? I feel like he was he just maybe maybe briefly. I could be wrong. Uh, but, I mean, not saying that they 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 dwelled on it, but I.
0: Oh, it's quite possible. And I think the guy that was at the hot dog stand, uh giving them hot dogs, um, was also in an earlier film. But you know what I mean? Like they didn't play the same gags over. And oh, they didn't totally. uh they didn't need to sort of just keep going over the same ground with the same characters because hey, we liked them last time. So I liked how
1: Bill Smith had in his apartment the picture of the pug over his head. Yeah. Uh I thought that was a nice subtle touch. You know, it's maybe not subtle, but uh it was. It, I think it was good. It, 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 people laughed at it. I mean, people certainly were like chattering about it in the theater.
2: Yeah, but well, had did that... you? Um, go on. So, so I was just going to say, did you notice that when um when Will Smith got pulled over by the police, he stopped in, um, in front of a sign that had the incredible speaking dog with a picture of the pug. Yes. Um, and so.
0: Yeah, no, I saw that. It was an ad for the carnival uh, head. And um, and I like that. Like, that's good, right? That's like a little nod to the fans. If the and had to come back and have a really big role again, because um, remember in, um, I, I think it was the most I ever saw, it was in the Lethal Weapon series. Every time a Lethal Weapon movie came out, they added another character. And then every sequel had to have every one that we'd had in the previous ones plus one more. And so yeah. it was like, you know, the first one had two, the second one had three, the third one had four. It just kept on growing. It's like you know once we add somebody to the um to the uh, formula we can't take them away okay well let's let's move to the visual effects it's obviously an effects heavy film but it's an effects heavy film in the sense that we're meant to notice the effects it's meant to be um uh obvious you know pull someone's head off and bowl them down a a bowling lane or or (laughs) jump off uh the um chrysler building and not sort of notice it um so we can discuss this one not just in terms of did the effects work and, and were they seamless, but also how much they furthered the um the gags. But I I think we don't want to get too heavy on the realism, because obviously a giant fish jumping and kind of half swallowing Will Smith is is gotta be a gag and uh, you could get too obsessed with any kind of uh, realism there for no for no real want. So Matt, starting with you, did you like the effects overall? Did you think it was um up to scratch?
2: Yeah, definitely. There were there seemed to be a number of things that that I kept noticing were, were not quite right. In my opinion, we can, we'll chat about that later, but overall I, I thought they worked well. Um, they were funny. They helped with the story and, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I, I definitely like them. And, and Jason?
1: Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked them overall as well. I thought, um, the, I, I thought it was, it was fairly seam- seamless. I'll get into some of the stuff that I didn't like, uh, later, but, i I liked that they it felt like a movie from the year two thousand you know what I mean like yeah. it had they, they didn't the music was right everything it didn't seem like they tried to modernize anything which is usually the death knell for any sort of fourteen year old or longer you know franchise and and even will Smith you know uh, says that he's been an agent for fourteen years, which I kind of like that they kept the real time aspect of the distance between the films
0: hmm. And I thought Will Smith looked pretty good in this film. I thought he, uh, you know, he was on his beats. I mean, we haven't seen him in a film for a little while. Um, he didn't seem to have aged at all. I don't know how he's managed to do that, but.
1: <laughs> Scientology.
0: He's, uh, he seemed like a fun guy and uh, funny in the film. And I've got to say that uh, the young version of Kay.
1: Josh Brolin.
0: Just totally knocked it out of the park in terms of fitting yeah. in. Because if, if he hadn't, if he hadn't felt. Uh, like he was a continuation of the same character, it would have really taken the um, heat out of the film. But it was great acting, so I was really, really pleased with that. Um, So you've already alluded to some stuff you didn't like. Let's get that out of the way then. Um, Matt, you started that, so (laughs) what is it that you didn't like?
2: (laughs) Um, There seemed to be... um, I noticed, well, uh, as I was watching it, I noticed that there was a lot of shallow depth of field um, in a number of places, especially... Uh, when they went back to the kind of the 60s um, headquarters. Um, And that just seemed, that depth of field just felt as if it was making uh, the foreground characters kind of pop out more than I may have liked. So both in that sequence and a couple of uh, shots when uh, we're at the end of the movie and uh, Will is fighting um, Boris the animal. It just felt as if uh, the integration between the foreground characters and the background just felt a little bit too sharp for me. The were you uh, watching this in three D or in two D? As I uh, as I done in the past, I actually went and saw it twice. Okay. Um, the first time I went to see it, uh, digitally projected in three D, and then the second time I went to see it, I ended up seeing a film. Uh, projection of it. And both of them, I noticed that. It it felt like just a few of the sequences, the foreground elements seemed very sharp, almost as if in the comp, the edge blowing hadn't been quite cranked up enough or something. Maybe it was just the the viewing I was seeing. And
0: and, uh, so this was really like an integration problem rather than like, say, the quality of
2: the animation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The animation I loved. It was just a few of the shots, the integration just seemed... So funny you say about
0: depth of field because um, the hallmark of this director is a wide-angle lens in close. And so, wide-angle lenses tend to give you a lot of depth of field. Though, of course, if you pull it in really close, um, that may not be true and depends on light levels. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Did you agree with that about the integration?
1: Um, that stuff didn't really jump out at me. I saw it in 2D digitally projected. um that stuff didn't really bother me. What bothered me was what always bothers me when anytime they were in the lift, any kind of lift or, or car, I, it just felt insanely fake. Like it felt like they didn't even like, it felt like get smart. Did it even did it better in the sixties? You know what I mean? Like there's just something about like, especially when Will Arnett, when he, when Will Smith went to his first, went to the headquarters the first time after, um, the time shift, and in the in present day, and will Arnett was his partner and when they got on the lift, it felt like the like there was no motion to it at all, and there was just a giant image panning behind them uh, i I was trying not to be like really tear it apart while I was watching it, but it just jumped out at me while and I was just like i I don't like that at all and then when when Jay and Kay are driving in the car. Uh, there's They have their long sort of drive and talk, and there were, like, kind of reflections on the windows, but, but the composite – there was like it was, like, really diffuse around them, and it, it was just clear that there was no – it was just a clear effect to me. And, I, and I'm not looking for uber-realism in this movie. It just sort of jumped out. Uh, you know, they did nice shadows on their face and other things of things passing uh, – I think there was a fence or something you could see passing on their faces, but – um, I don't know. Just you know, the the more pedantic stuff. The the overall, the effects I thought I really I thought were really nice.
0: Um, Talk to me about the bike chase, the sort of uni bike uh, chase. For two reasons. Firstly, because you've been talking about in the cars. This isn't in the cars, but it's obviously a composite because those things aren't real. And part of the street had to be composited because a lot of the street, not only was it not real, but the um, you know, the period piece. If they shot plates, would have been wrong.
1: Yeah, they they kind of shot that one backwards. They shot a lot of um I think a lot of those plates were shot on the Alexa uh because for the night chase scene because they were shooting yep. uh at night and yep. and Bill Pope thought it would be easier to uh dig into the blacks on the uh Alexa. And I believe they shot their their backgrounds first. And then when they shot their foreground and did some post viz, they realized that it didn't line up so as well as they wanted it to. So I think they did, like, they recreated three full city blocks in Queens, um, which looked to me to be Astoria, I think, or Woodside. Um, they they recreated it fully digital, um, and they integrated some real cars, some digital cars, some real uh, actors, some digital actors, like a real... Potpourri of of options to make those cuts work.
0: But did you think it worked? I think it worked overall. I mean, you know,
1: those 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 spinny bikes reminded me of the bikes from South Park. did an episode? I won't I won't describe exactly how the <laughs> South Park ones worked, but uh, it reminded me of those. But uh, I, I thought overall it looked nice. There was a couple weird physics things, like when he slid under the. You know they kind of solved some of their problems by by staying close, which a lot of movies don't do these days. Um, you know when he when he dodged under the the yeah, truck truck and bus. Yep. I was kind of thinking like, how is that staying up? Because he's it's a vertical you know wheel.
0: Yeah, at some point you. Your knees and you'd just have have to tip
1: running. over. Yeah, <laughs> but other than that, uh, I thought it was a fun, a fun thing. Like we went up and over the car, and you know, did all the things that you would want to see. Uh, the thing
0: to me about that bike chase is that um, it was it was like if you were doing a Hollywood street. It was a Hollywood street at eleven. Uh, for a start, every surface had wet down, mm-hmm. um, and of course, wet down streets are very, very common. You get the water truck to go through, but nevertheless, because it was. Even under bridges, there's a point where he's going under what it must be an overhead uh, train line and stuff. Right. Everything's wet down, and there's no sense of why that would be. But what it gives you is this um, pretty shiny environment. Then they had a lot of neon lights, a lot of colorful lights. So you got a street that looked perky and lit, and then a lot of those lights were reflected. Um, so for me, that's where it just so it walks so far away from kind of realism, it didn't feel like a gritty street it felt like a slick hollywood street now is that a bad thing in men in black three well probably not you know my my kids probably you know think it's um pretty funny but the the more you make it kind of um a less ex- sort of direct street and the more you make it a commercial street a street that you'd see in a slick car ad uh, it just it's harder to sell the shot because it's just getting slicker and slicker and cuter and cuter and more perfect and that's going to make it hard to sell that shot. I mean, um, uh, I think I'm right in, in retelling this story. I think it's that, uh, I, God, I hope I get the story right. <laughs> I was talking to, I think it was Stu Majoritz, he was talking about he was watching um, like Die Hard, or was, I think it was stupid, but it was somebody like that, was watching on a monitor when um, in Die Hard he uh, hits the um, uh, ejector seat on a thing and it comes right up at the camera and he's yeah, standing too right yeah. and then he falls away again and i and i think i can't remember i think it was, Steve was telling me the story he was watching that once and someone behind him said what do you think and he said, god i wish i'm glad i didn't have to do that shot because it's almost impossible to make it real because the camera angle and everything else is so impossible and apparently it was like the director standing behind him when he said it but <laughs> the point is of the story <laughs> is that it just i always remember that because it drove home to me that once you get um, the best execution in the world, at some point you're up against uh, what the director wants or what the script is asking you to pull off and if it's just too far away from realism, it's just really hard to do anything to make that shot feel realistic. You put camera shakes in, you put all sorts of things in but you end up with a kind of a slick shot that just feels kind of plastic in the way that if you took all the wrinkles off someone's face uh, and it could be you know absolutely perfect but they're just going to look completely weird like they do in many cosmetics commercials where you go, okay, I don't even know what actress that is that they're given a lot of money to to do this ad. Um, that's the feeling that I had about it. It wasn't that it was technically inept. It's just that it didn't have any kind of uh, ring of authenticity. Is that making sense to you, Matt?
2: You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I I agree. I did enjoy the shot, mind you. It was, um, it was definitely fun to watch, though it, it was obviously kind of hyper real in some aspects yeah yeah that's probably the best way to describe it yeah i thought they did a a nice job though on a lot of i mean there were um some shots obviously as jason said where the uh, dynamics weren't quite working but they seemed to get the weighting of the bikes right and as they kind of went around corners and and tipped over they added some nice follow-through on the animation and things like that so they obviously put quite a lot of thought into how these bikes were going to kind of move around and and get over the terrain. Well,
0: let me compare it to the Chrysler building. The Chrysler building stuff, it's not, it was, it was a nice shot of New York, but it still sort of looked like New York. It didn't look like a dreamlike version of New York. And because it's kind of a believable thing, you're looking down from above and, you know, it sort of felt like a shot that you could sort of possibly do with a crane. I felt that The time-jumpy stuff that happened on the uh, corner of the Chrysler Building, that worked really, really well. And the shots looking at New York, where clearly they'd done a bunch of work, looked spectacularly well. And I thought also that for a... Because one of the problems that this film had, and I think it succeeded in this shot, and I'll tell you one that I thought it was less successful in, is they had quite a lot of setups where you didn't need those assets much. So the aliens attacking Earth when Will is jumping, we didn't really need those alien ships up close. We didn't need them as a big plot point other than they were there, but they didn't have a lot of screen time. So if you were sort of budgeting the film, it would have been hard to make those alien ships, you know, masterpieces because they're only there for a few shots. And and even then they're kind of not absolutely everything and yet i thought they did them really really well those sort of tentacles coming down they're knocking off bits of buildings it you know it felt like an alien invasion it was it said everything it had to do without someone saying hey look at the alien ships that are invading us oh my god quick get norad on the phone and you know what i mean like it i just thought it worked really really well Well, it also
1: started it started when he was downstairs talking to the guy in, in the shop you could see them on the tv in the back yeah So, like, they just gave you a quick hint, like, when you see this later, you know that this is what we're talking about. It was just a nice, subtle in on that. Um, You know, I I think the only reason, I mean, it's not the only reason, but they had, I like the way the the, those aliens sort of, you know, they they had that um, older sort of amphibious look to them. And, you know, I guess they had the long arm and worked it in. To knocking the, um, you know, trying to grab him and knocking the time device out of his hand, adding a little drama to the, to that sequence. But you know, having having just been in a helicopter over in New York, that's pretty much what it looks like. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job of the lighting and the texture. Like it didn't feel like a set. Like it didn't feel like a big fake piece. I mean, obviously it is an effect, but anyone yeah, watching big, the movie knows. Yeah, but I think they sold it. Um, I think they sold it really well. Um, you know, I certainly, I, it, it works. I know it works when they come up on the crane and look down and you feel it in your stomach, like you're looking yep. off the edge of a building. Yep. You're like, all right, it works. Uh, uh,
0: I. I, I was oh, hugely successful. No, I, I just think that that sequence um, was really successful. And also, there were some really nice touches to it. Will Smith's foot seems to slip a bit on the shiny metal of the eagle's head, mm-hmm. I remember. And I remember feeling that you, what you just described, it actually felt like, whoa, this doesn't feel very... <laughs> this is, And I thought, well, that is really that is really good effects. That's See, now, but I will compare that and the alien ships in particular, this point I was making about not needing those assets very much to the breakout of the lunar base at the beginning of the film. Once he he loses everyone through the the air being sucked out of the building, there's a shot from the exterior of the moon and he jumps down. And there I felt like, okay, well, I don't like this shot and they're only going to use that shot once. It must have been a killer thing to sort of build that exterior bit with the hole that he kind of jumps out and does the sort of low-gravity jumps on. Did, Did either of you like not like that shot. I mean, it just really didn't work for me that much.
2: You know. Yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just after the girl kind of gets sucked out, isn't it? Yeah. He jumps up and then jumps down. It felt like it maybe needed just a little bit more motion blur.
0: Um, I just think that the background felt like it was pre-ambient occlusion CG. I mean, it just... Or it was a matte painting. It just... The actual building that he was coming out of... I mean, yeah, the motion blur is one thing, but... And of course, it took me a while to realize the big skippy thing with the gravity, especially as the other people had just been sucked up and out. And then suddenly he wasn't being sucked up and out. It was like, okay, well, obviously there is some gravity, but hang on, why do the other ones get thrown up into the sky? It just, it was like incongruous at in that sense, but also just literally the walls behind him, the prison itself, just felt like a a good attempt that we would have probably been happy with five or six years ago. But by today's standards, it just didn't feel that, um, that rock solid.
2: It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously that they had to build all of that for that one sequence and it. And it kind of gave that impression that you're talking about. But there was also, if we go right to the very end of the film, another shot that was maybe only a second or two where, um, where, boris comes out of the uh, kind of round door by the beach this is right at the very end and, yep. and um and shoots and um the tommy lee jones character uh Kay, um kind of goes to fire on him and you get his kind of head opening up to yep. show his true alien form and i just thought that's a lot of work for a two second shot i'd have liked to have kind of cut back to that no no i think
0: look i agree i think it was a lot of work but i think it was perfect at that point in the film to have one thing up your sleeve that was menacing and i didn't think we needed to come back to it i thought the economy of not coming back to it was spectacular but also i think that was an easy justification because it's the climax of the film right it just gave you a sense it was like great timing i I thought the example you want to go for um and i guess we should get jason's opinion on this being a, a new yorker is when they go to the stadium because there was a sequence that the, when they're looking at the game uh, in the past through uh, the advantage of, um, of the infinite uh, possibility... What's no, the guy's Arcadian. name?
1: Arcadian. Arcadian. Uh, Griffin. Griffin. Griffin.
0: Okay, so when Griffin holds onto them and the stadium uh, opens up and you see the game, see, now I thought that was a sequence that was really good. It was, it was like the uh, ships in the sense that it was complex it did what exactly what it needed to. do. Didn't come back to it very much after that. Um, whoever did that did a really great job. I wish that person had been given the the exterior moon stuff. Jason, what did you think of the stadium stuff?
1: Um, what I was, I don't really watch baseball, but my curiosity as being a New Yorker is when they came to, and I should add, I don't I should try and find someone my one of my friends who's like Mister Baseball um to see the film because when because they're going to the stadium in 1969 i want to know if they used the old shea stadium or the new one because they built and they knocked it down and built a new one so i would just be curious if if some oh, it's, do the, you know,
0: it's the old one yeah we, spoke to, them. One we sure? spoke to them at sony and they were saying yeah that stadium doesn't exist anymore so we had to recreate it
1: okay oh great cool that's a nice little
0: touch i, I believe uh, i'm not a baseball fan but that's what i'm pretty sure because we yeah. we did a bunch of in, a bunch of interviews at Sony, which is uh, part of FX Guide TV, which is on the site, and uh, I don't know if that's in the interview, but I remember them talking about it. I think it, it is. Yeah.
1: Um, but I like that guy was my favorite character, honestly, the Arcadian Griffin, because for multiple reasons. One, it felt like a role Robin Williams would have done about ten years ago. Yep. Uh, and if they ever do a Mork and Mindy, uh, you know sitcom again, <laughs> that guy would the shoe in but um i liked his character both narratively and his execution when he did you know when they did that visual effects uh, stuff with him i liked i liked his ex- he his his character was the perfect exposition from a script perspective because he told you everything you needed to know about what was going to happen in the film without it being ridiculously expository, and I liked his concept of all time happening at once. Uh, so, so uh, when he and, showed that, he, he
0: provided some great gags. That gag at the end supposedly. about this is the one where he forgets. Uh oh, this is the one where he forgets the tip. I mean, it was just really well executed.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just complicated enough that it made you feel smart that you could follow him, but it also made complete sense from like a quantum time travel perspective. Yeah. Uh,
0: and see, there again, but, that satellite hitting the, the meteor was a really small little thing, a big asset, for, big sequence in terms of you had to build everything for that. You've got a satellite, maybe you could buy one, I don't know, but you know what I mean, like you've got to put a lot of stuff together. Never see it anywhere else in the film, you know, getting that to yeah. work. It's a really isolated one gag visual effects sequence of its own right. Um, but I,
1: like, I liked the, the sequence in the ballpark and I like that they broke it and came back to it.
0: Yeah, I thought it was great.
1: Um, it was a nice little like. Wait a second. Okay, I get it. And he sort of leans back in, and I thought the way they sort of folded open space, and it was daytime or at least brighter, mm-hmm. and you could yep. see stuff. And 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 again, the guy who played Griffin really sold it on his face. You could see that he was really enjoying uh, that moment. You know, um, I thought it was really well executed. It Had kind of a nightcrawler vibe from the you know the way it was sort of wispy the, from the X Men movies. Um, um, even though it was not teleporting, just the edges of it felt kind of nice and like, like organically folded out. It wasn't like you could get really lost in in trying to get some sort of space time fabric ripping vibe. And I think they did it really nice and organically and soft.
0: Yeah, and no, I um, thought it was really I thought it was really good. So w- there seems to be a bunch of these sequences of which you've got a bunch of assets you've got to build, original effects you've got to develop but we're not going to use them over and over again. So that's terrific that they had the budget to do it. And in most cases, they seem to have been executed really, really well. The trouble is every once in a while, maybe there's just uh, a bridge too far, but it's, you know, there were some of them that just didn't feel. See, I think some of them are just really hard to pull off no matter what. And the one that I would have just dreaded getting as an artist is the bowling ball head, because (laughs) that was going to be one that was always going to be a tough sell. For a start you know, you think of people's heads being round, but they're so not. So the guy pre-effect was going to be a little awkward. It's going to say, hey, here comes a gag. And then bowling the head down was always going to be kind of a big Yeah, because the
1: nose wouldn't roll forward. Like the way that they rolled it and his mouth kept getting closed by rolling, your nose would throw it off to the right immediately or the left immediately.
0: Yeah, and just, you know, generally speaking, like it's not, like the second you sort of get like the, a bit of it you're in a bowling alley and he's got a round head like the gag has already finished before it's over so then the next yeah. two bits of it actually rolling down are never going to be spectacular and then the bowling down to get the one on the left to ricochet over to the right which i know is a legitimate bowling ball yeah it's shot.
1: a 7-10 split yeah. but the way that they the way that they they showed the ball come in on the right side of the left pin which is not how you do it. So it was already wrong from a ball. at least the way I saw it. You're supposed to kick the pin on the left side of the left or the right side of the right pin and shove it across the lane. Yeah, but yeah. But the, the physics was a little was off on that because you saw it just sort of fire out like a gun
0: at so the I, other. So I would have said, if I had been got that sequence, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm never going to have a winner here. <laughs> um, you know, And no matter how much you made the guy's head round like a ball, you'd want it rounder for the gag to work and less round for it, just not to look stupid. Um, the one that I thought was wild and wacky, but um, well, I'll come back to it actually. The other one that I thought worked really, really well um, was this, the the uh, thing coming out of his hand, the weasel out of Boris's uh, hand. It was creepy. It was superb in terms of its um, gore kind of factor. Um, they had to fully replace the hand, um, even though they'd been originally uh, a prosthetic thing. But I just thought the animation was spot on. Um, it had everything you wanted to give Boris the animal the kind of creepy thing. I was ashamed to use such a great comic actor and not get much comedy out of him. But <laughs> I think the yeah. weasel in his hand was just downright spooky and an original kind of idea. Um, now that was used more than once. So we're moving away now from like the the rolling ball head or the the stadium shot, but. Didn't you guys love that? I mean, I just thought it was really full-on creepy.
2: Yeah, from the minute it came out of the cake, it just looked great, and and the way it kind of scurried off and and uh, knocked off all the the chains and the armor and things that were around him, and um, there there was definitely a kind of a uh, from the audience yeah. as it kind of crawled into his hand, and there was some real depth in there. You, you half of you was thinking, how is there that much depth in his hand, but. The other part of your book, you're just thinking, that really does look grim. So, um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. that The the, uh, the whole animation was, was superb and um, just the whole kind of wet look of the texture and the way the light was interacting with it. Um, yeah, I loved it.
0: Okay, well, there are three sequences I want to discuss now that are more than... Um some of the others in the sense that they're not, that they recur all the way through the film, but they were sizable set pieces in the way that the bike scene was a sizable set piece. There's the fish at the beginning, there's the actual jumping off tall things and ricocheting back in time, which happens at least twice. Um, And then, of course, there is just the reconstruction of Cape Canaveral. Now, it's a fine line between where we consider something like the bowling ball head, which is a really short little whatever, and these other ones, but they are quite a few shots. So let's work our way through those. Wu's restaurant, the, the, uh, the giant fish that comes out, which has obviously been seen in the trailers and stuff, um, it was, for me, what you'd expect from Men in Black. It was big, it was loud, it was funny. It was a bit scary, um, but not stupidly, um, ridiculously embarrassing. I didn't cringe when I saw it. I just thought it was funny and did exactly what it should have done. And also, you need a big set piece with some big action at the start of the film to kind of get you in back in the in the game uh so matt what do you think i mean i liked it it was pretty wild of course
2: yeah yeah i really liked it that whole um shot and i think you have a have a picture of it on uh, fx guide in your article where it kind of um, roars at camera it was a very kind of men in black uh, shot reminded me of the um of the first one right towards the end where they've got kind of the beetle guy um it just looked great all of the uh kind of goo in its mouth and just the whole kind of size and dynamics. It really felt like they'd, they'd worked the animation well to get good weight into it and just the whole interaction because obviously it throws uh, Will around uh, the whole uh, restaurant quite a lot and tends to smash a lot of things up um, before they throw him out the window. It just it, it felt good and solid. In that same and sequence, funny.
0: you've got the splattering of various people as they get shot
2: which, which was excellent. Yeah, which I thought was yeah really, really well made,
0: and also the two um, human actors, the the head guy who's revealed uh, when these, uh, I guess he's uh, well, I was going to say he's dressed, but he's um, I don't know what it is, apron it's is cool. Apron, apron isn't it all the way. And the girl with the uh, the long tongue and bashing her head on on the counter, which again I think is in the trailer. That whole section, like you've got a, a bunch of characters, quite a few of the characters before they get shot have odd traits or prosthetics and stuff. That was. It was a nice, totally what-you-want-from-Men-in-Black kind of sequence. It's almost like, here, we're going to show you a bunch of different characters. We're going to have some action. We're going to have some humor. I liked the metal um, tray in the guy's mouth uh, as he's pushing Will from camera left to right. Yeah, that was
1: a nice device. I don't think I've seen that before. In, in you know, like uh, it, I mean, it's a standard thing to block the mouth, you know, Rancor style with a bone. Yep. But I think it was a nice... So you didn't really they didn't really plan it. Like it didn't look like show the tray, grab the tray, yeah. do the way he just sort of did it, and you're like, Oh that he, makes sense. He That's looks around, and
0: sees something, grabs it, yeah. yeah. Which we didn't need um, to Yep, you're absolutely right.
1: But I would say um, I think one of the best animated um, creatures is the little weird squishy guy that that uh Kay hits Woo with repeatedly. You know, he hits him with it and then he like they look at him and he's just like, What are you doing? And like, why are you hitting you know, why am I your weapon? You know, like that he was felt really funny. bad for that little guy, you know, he just kept hitting him.
0: Yeah, and the guy on the stove as well. It was kinda of a weird blobby yeah. thing, but yeah.
1: Oh yeah, when he hit him on the head, he's like, Hey yeah. he's just like one word, and so he's like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> um But I think I was a little taken aback by I think Tom, when Tommy Lee Jones calls Woo, he goes, Woo, you're a piece of shit i think that's the only cursing in all three movies is that true i don't know i mean i I was like i was like wow they that's it was kind of like a heavy line i thought for the movie like he's really pissed and he like like he you know it's tommy lee jones so he obviously sells it and i was like wow that's kind of heavy for this scene like he's really mad what's he so mad about you know like it it sort of like threw me off for a second um right before the uh the big fish came out
0: Actually, now you mention it, it's true. I remember thinking at the time, man, Tommy Lee Jones doesn't seem to be having much fun in this film. And, of course, it makes sense when you know the memories that it's brought up and stuff. I would appreciate his performance more if I saw the film a second time. At the time, I thought, oh, well, you know, they're just giving all the fun stuff to Will. And but and Tommy Lee jo- I just think he's a terrific actor. But you're right, so, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah.
2: There was um, also in that, that scene of, of the restaurant <laughs> quite a funny gag, though, Again, the audience, it felt like felt it had gone a little bit too far. But it was when uh, Will, uh, when uh, Tommy Lee Jones was smashing the uh, other guy over the head with the saucepan and you had that really great kind of tonal noise as, as he hit him a few times. But then he kind of flattened his head with it, which was a kind oh of yeah. a, a Looney Tunes kind of gag. But also because it up was the obviously stairs. live action. Yeah. yeah. So that was a nice little sequence.
1: There was like a yeah. little antenna sticking out, just enough yeah. of a little note to be like, "He's not human. Don't worry about it." You know, like. Yeah.
0: See, I'm so glad they didn't just blow the guy's head off and him pop back and say that stung. Like it was yeah. better that he, they were doing something different. Flattened it, or something, yeah, yeah. Flattened it was good. So I thought that was a good sequence, and I um, uh, I thought it was exactly what you want in Men in Black. It had lots of characters, lots of action, lots of gags, and set everything up really, really well. Um, so. The next sequence is probably more complicated to talk about is that time jumping. So they have to jump off the building, they have to accelerate to a certain speed, uh, and then obviously interrupt a laser, and then that causes things to ricochet back. So it, it was a complicated kind of bit of math, or not math, but, you know, kind of plot rollout as to how that was all going to work, and then you end up back where you started. But we needed to understand it from the first Chrysler building for it to work as a saving device at the end and i thought well that was good they could have easily done it in the middle to make sure the audience understood it but they're giving you credit that something you saw at the beginning you'll fully remember how it all works and it'll be okay at the end jason were you with me do you think that was was it really clear to you what was going on at the end when he managed to dodge the spikes and and win the day
1: yeah uh uh i thought that it was interesting like at first i was confused and i was like oh he must have reset the time slightly I thought it was interesting that they didn't show you that, which obviously would have given the gag away. So they they respected the audience enough to just assume that they would follow along and get it, you know, ten seconds later, um, which I appreciate as an audience member. But what I really liked was the the Obadiah, whatever his name was, the kid his or that was his father, but the kid who who's running the electronics store, who really didn't know how the thing worked and, like, left the audience... It was, like, a great device for the audience to not have it explained to them and then see it. Uh, <laughs> I think it was, there was typically pretty, what happens. Yeah,
0: it was re- slightly, like, stupid in my mind that there was exactly two of these things, which is exactly as many as the film needed in a case yeah. that held exactly two. <laughs> you know, like, let's just establish there are only two of these, and uh, you've yeah. got the second one, and there's the empty place from the first one.
1: Yeah. But anyway... But- But when, you know, I I like that he that he was like, hey, just remember, you know, 1969 wasn't that cool for your people. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm just saying it's a lot cooler now. Like, I I like that they referenced civil rights and they referenced everything like, hey, and also a nod to the audience. Like, hey, remember, you know, I know it was kind of a long time ago, but just remember shit's going to be different when you get there. It was it was well written and well delivered, I thought, to set up the audience and i like the jump i like that he jumped you had like i said before you had the interaction with the aliens uh to sort of tie you to the present and his his present issue but he's also falling to his potential death while he's trying to go back in time to stop the aliens so it's kind of all being told in that one fall but then when he when he swipes the thing and you see the dinosaurs and you're like I, i like that again they they let the audience Think about it, you're like, wait, did he go too far back in time?
0: Exactly. Is yeah. it
1: messed up? No. Now it's, you know, uh, VE day or whatever it is, and then it's, you know,
0: or a stock market crash. Building, and then yep. VE day, the guy and jumping then off the, the building in 1920,
1: yeah. Yeah, which I thought was awesome, and he like tips his hat to him, you know, uh, which, you know, I don't know if that was a nod to 2008, you know, financial collapse, or if that's just, you know, I don't know why they picked those moments, but. I thought it was, um, I thought it was really well done. And you know, he stops right at the, at the thing. I don't know if anyone saw him. Like, obviously, that would be a little weird if you just see a dude, you know, fall out of the sky and hover two feet above the ground. But uh, I don't think you—they really needed to explain that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's right. I'd sort of forgotten actually until you mentioned it that way they dealt with time by doing the sort of reconstruction back from the Stone Age, which. Again, you know, it's great. That is absolutely what we've been talking about, these really well-executed small pieces that you'd be like, really, I have to build a whole lot of dinosaurs? Yeah. And how many scenes is that in? Two. Yeah. And how many shots? Well, two actually. (laughs) Well, are they long? (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) Okay then. (laughs) All righty. Yeah. And having said that, for all of the stuff we've been talking about, and that's a lot of occasions now that we've come across where there are these really isolated, um, completely different visual effects... The film didn't feel like it was just being carried on the shoulders of visual effects. It felt like there was some real acting in there and some, some actual story and it was kind of fun and ridiculous. But, you know, there are some films that it's just uh, sequence after sequence and you go, okay, when we get over this sequence, we can get back to the plot. And, okay, maybe I felt that with the bike chase. But generally speaking, you know, these were all serving purposes in the script and sometimes, as you say, they let the audience just have to work it out, um, which is pretty awesome, actually.
1: Could have yeah, been. I mean, I I was very skeptical going in because, like I said, I really didn't like the second one. And knowing all the, you know, the unfortunateness of 2012 is that we know a lot about movies before they're made, especially people like us who are in the industry and read that stuff. But I was just like, oh, God, like, why are they making this movie now? They haven't even finished the script when they started shooting, yeah, like Recipe same. for Disaster. And I was not only pleasantly surprised, but I think had I gone in with high expectations, I still would have enjoyed it. Like I said, it's not and Kane, but for a Men in Black movie, I think it does exactly what it needs to do. It does its its acting job. It does its visual effects job intertwined, I think, pretty well. You know, little bumps and bruises along the way, but I think it's, it's pretty well executed. I think it beat avengers in the opening weekend in terms of an actual opening
0: uh okay i don't have box office numbers on that but i doubt it'll be avengers on any other metric but no uh it's certainly gone better than battleship <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, by a, a long way hey um let's discuss cape Canaveral, the apollo sequence at the end because that's the third of those uh sort of big uh sequences and and I'm skipping over stuff that doesn't have a lot of visual effects in it. Even though I quite enjoyed Andy Warhol and the factory and stuff, there wasn't a lot of effects in that. So we're, we're just jumping onto the effects stuff, obviously, because of the VFX show. But I don't think I missed another big sequence. But if I have, I apologize. So let's go to Cape Canaveral at the end there. Um, there was some really nice shots, I thought, of uh, the rocket. Um, some really nice shots of stuff we've seen now in several movies, several movies of late, including Transformers, um, but it felt like a good um, sort of solid, hardcore piece of three D in full daylight with a period uh, bent on it. Matt, how did you feel about uh, the Apollo uh, Cape Canaveral sequence?
2: Um, yeah, it w- that was one of my favourite sequences from the film, and it was it was interesting to see it because I had recently been to Kennedy Space Center, I'd kind of wandered around some of the uh, some of the towers, so I'd kind of seen them up up close and personal only kind of a month or two ago right? and um, it it just looked great everything that that they seem to have built looked very realistic Uh, the textures all looked nice and they have a a opening shot towards the beginning of that sequence where the camera kind of pulls back and reveals uh, the rocket and kind of does a track around I think anti-clockwise maybe and uh, yeah I just thought it looked great and as you said we've seen quite a lot of that going right back to Um, Apollo 13 but uh, it's it felt very real felt like it was definitely there and the whole kind of interaction with the the blue screen sets that they shot with the gantries they all seemed to tie in really well with the rest of the 3d model and uh, apart from possibly the uh, the kind of lift elevator section um, at the beginning when they uh, when they first go up all the lighting uh, and contact lighting looked great all around that model. I,
0: I thought, yeah, the kind of, I thought the model looked great. I thought some of the close-up stuff was a bit overlit, a bit studio lighting. It wasn't contrasty enough. I mean, out in the Florida sun, you'd have a very contrasty lighting setup and it did feel mm. a bit studio from the lighting point of view, but that's on the close-ups, not on the wides. I think the wides looked good, but keep going, sorry. I'm just trying
2: to think. The other thing that obviously there there was a lot of once it got going was was the whole flame and smoke uh, sims i don't know uh, what they did those in i'm guessing it may have been something like Houdini and that they all looked great nice and uh, kind of solid and and what you would expect so all the sequence including the uh, the freezing of the fingers and then uh, then being left behind i thought was really funny
0: yeah yeah i thought the um i well what do you think jason i just stopped talking <laughs> <laughs>
1: I uh I, I like that sequence uh, as well. The liftoff was, I thought, really well done, especially since we've seen that. I mean, growing up watching MTV, you saw that liftoff every half hour. I mean, that's yep. pretty much in, ingrained in your brain. Uh, I thought it was really nicely done. They did the little sort of they did the tr- tr- traditional shot, you know, coming up at your face, and then they did a kind of a slightly off angle that would bring the the Arc, ArcNet device right by your face to, just to remind you, hey, remember, he was just climbing on top of the rocket. I like that all the astronauts actually saw him do that, and were like, we're, we're going to space, and we're not going to mess with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with what's happening. I'll just, I didn't see that. Did you see that? You know.
2: Yeah, they were coming um, mission the mission. If they,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and I agree with you, Mike, that in the mediums and close-ups, I thought the lighting was like really diffuse. Yeah, uh, which I grew up in Florida, and so I, I have both the New York and Florida aspects of this movie. F- Florida sun is hot yeah. and direct. Yeah, exactly. So it, if anything, it should have been a more modern look. W- weirdly, um, but I think they went for a period look just to keep it in the in the audience's mind. Didn't really buy it myself, but um, I. think thought it was interesting that they also went with and this is just my own pet peeve I have my own theories about like you know time travel and and having two guys in one place uh, kind of thing at the same time two of the same guys who've been time traveling Um, but I thought it was an interesting way to get them both fighting them Uh, so the Tommy Lee Jones or the, the, the K hanging off the hanging off the pipes for a really long time kind of bothered me, but it uh, it, it, it was fine. You know, I thought...
0: it just, I'm sorry, but I've got this uh, exactly the same problem. I went over it on uh, Dark of the Moon with Transformers where Optimus suddenly gets tangled up in some cables and that just allows him to not be in the action for a bit. And in this one, exactly the same thing. Get the foot caught in some cables so I can take you out of the action for a bit. I mean, hello, like, really? Like, <laughs> you're battling yeah. evil aliens that are shooting spikes out of their hands and and jumping through space and time. And, oh, my God, my foot is caught in this cable. <laughs> I'll just have to... I'm, I'm a robot from the 29th century that can fly and transform, and I'm just going to be tangled in these cables for a little bit here. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I'm just like, really? Don't mind me. The I'll best. be over yeah, just, uh, I'm t- yeah, just uh, take a second. You keep going on with the film. I'll come back to you on that one. Sorry.
1: <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, I, overall, from an effects point of view, I thought, you know... It felt really nice the way that they re- had to rebuild um, Cape Canaveral from from uh, older uh, photos and photos, research photos that they took from up on the high launch deck um, to create like a little you know uh, VR bubble. Uh, I thought I thought it was all the work was really nice. The launch, especially, I thought was really nice. Um,
2: Did you like the um, the? kind of the escape on the cable car sequence that kind of came out of
1: nowhere actually but
0: yeah I'd watched from the earth to the moon about 15 times the The, The documentary yeah well you know it's the thing that was done by um uh, after Apollo 13 Tom Hanks really wanted to make a proper miniseries, and this is you know this is boys town just heaven on a stick to me um and so, yeah. So watching that, they had a lot in there about how they did set up um, things after uh, the uh, the disaster to, to be able to get astronauts off the tower. But as you say, if you didn't know that that existed, it would seem kind of, hang on, why is there a convenient flying fox system there? Um, what the heck's going on there? Where in fact, there exactly was something like that. I, yeah. I, that's that was yeah. That's a difficult one, right? Do you have to set that up? I mean, how do you set it up? It would have been, I think. I'll give them that one because they didn't set up so many other things that I was glad they didn't set up that, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, well let's just agree that, um, that it's I just didn't out. think
1: about it till Matt brought it up anyway. Like I, I remember at the theater being like, being like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, they got to get off there. What are they, how else are they going to get off? Like they're not going to take, they can't go straight down because yeah, it's the same price. as just standing there. Right. Yep. So it doesn't matter. So, yeah, it makes sense, and obviously, like you're saying it was real, so even if it wasn't real, I mean it doesn 't really matter. gets you down to the beach back to the back to the um the the captain or the colonel or whatever to finish the story point anyway, uh, which was nice now, I thought what's interesting is you were saying that you obviously knew something was coming, especially because the Arcadian said, you know no matter what, where there's death, there's death, you know if, if you shoot off his arm. If he loses his arm, you're solid. So that was a nice little like mid fight plot point. When he shoots his arm off, you're like, Alright, well, like we're good. Well,
0: well we knew so we were what's... good, right? I mean in a minute. In we knew we were good. Of
1: course, but I'm just saying, following yes. following yes. the notes you've been given.
0: Yes. Uh
1: but I thought that I thought that uh Jay was gonna be killed and thus would allow him to later be born and and Kay would come across him later and be like okay I get it the time travel thing and that's why he recruited him but
0: and I also f- will, I will say they did subtly set up the father thing in the Chinese restaurant at the beginning which was right. is a perilous thing to do to give you something at the beginning that's not explained in a way that doesn't make you go uh uh-huh, fathers are going to be important in this time traveling thing so for me I registered the hey don't dished your father as the sort of thing that the that the character would say because he was you know of traditional values and not a signal to the audience pay attention because fathers is going to be important later in the film so i thought that was good i did actually like that a lot
1: yeah exactly they they, they set it deep into they were really lucky that that k's character is basically a guy from 1969 yeah uh, uh um
0: i did expect actually more to play out over um uh, what's her name's character? Uh, Emma Thompson's character. Who, by the way, Emma Thompson, superb. I mean, Rip Thorne's yeah, now about great. eighty, so I guess that's why he wasn't in it. But yeah, I could have, I could have done with a whole lot more Emma Thompson. But then I yeah, pretty much say sh- that in any film she's in.
1: <laughs> but she was great. I like when wonderful. He, Sorry. When go ahead. he came in, when he came in, and he was like looking for Kay, and she takes him up, and she's like, "All right, either two things are happening. Yeah. You've either been bitten by a blah 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 tick." you know, or it's worse, and, and he, whatever, it's not yeah. the tick, you know, and she goes, wait, you said you have a craving for chocolate milk, you know, or chocolate flavored beverages, you know, that's the only cure for, uh, for a time travel induced, you know, time, quantum time shift yeah. headache or whatever, I thought that was a really funny line, and she delivered it perfectly, like, oh, yeah. super straight, like, really well.
0: Yeah, have you seen uh, Stranger Than Fiction?
1: Okay. Uh, Most of it, yeah.
0: Because that's that is she is superb in that film.
1: Yeah, well, I mean she's an amazing actress. Oh, yeah. You know.
0: Hey, so so let's geek out for a second um, on some of the stuff, just kind of geeky stuff. So we know that this was uh, primarily ImageWorks who did most of the work, though. Method Studios and Prime Focus did some stuff, and Prime Focus was the 3D Conversion House, and I believe it was graded at uh, EFilm.
1: Yeah, actually, but, my friend, my friend Andrew Francis graded it.
0: Uh huh. Well, not I liked the grade. I did like the uh, the way that it looked. I thought it was a good looking film. Um, the Soups were Ken Ralston and uh, Jay Red. Now, K- these are good guys. The, the Ken Ralston, the, Jay, these guys really know what they're doing. Uh, and it seemed like a really good team. And they had enough money to do it, right? This, I think, went to like 230 million. Uh, it's a like hell of a lot of money to make. If this film had tanked after Battleship, we'd have been in big yogurt because with John Carter on top of that but at yeah. least it doesn't look like but that's a hell of a lot of money on visual effects um, and on just filmmaking I mean that's like, it's like a lot of money so I guess that could explain how they could do so many things but there, there is in any Men in Black film this extra layer of geekiness which is if you can take your eyes off the action there's stuff happening in the background so let's just take a couple of minutes to geek out because it's fun did you guys spot Rick Baker did you spot the other cameos in the film
1: I I thought I saw Rick Baker, and then when I watched some of the stuff today, uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, I saw that he was the the guy with the exposed brain Neck yep. uh, during the eulogy, right?
0: Yeah, and did you see um, the director?
1: Oh, no. Where was he?
0: He was on the couch uh, with, I think, his wife and maybe a kid. He had something partly obscuring his face. Um, there were some shots of... People on couches just looking at, I think, TV sets. Um, and the headquarters? No, 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 no. Uh, not in the headquarters. They were. Um, there was some point earlier on the film that they just had people sitting on couches looking at the screen. I think mm. when the alien invasion was happening. Um, oh, okay. And it was just some like really low angle, wide angle shots of couches with people sitting on. Oh, there.
1: right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you spot who was on in this shows or this films? Uh, list of current aliens so they they made a reference obviously to jagger which was yeah kind of yeah
1: lame. i saw i saw lady gaga
0: yeah i think i saw uh david beckham david beckham was in there at least a couple of times yeah. by my count
1: i saw jeremy lynn or one of the some asian basketball players.
0: yeah that really tall asian basketball yeah. player yeah i saw him there seemed to be more sports stars in this one than there were richard yeah. branson i saw yeah.
2: Um, oh
1: yeah funny. See now, what I like about this one is what they did in the first one. That stuff was super subtle. Oh yeah. And the second one was where they just went ape shit with it, and you were like, "Dude, just calm
0: down." Was the second one where they had Michael Jackson? Yeah,
1: Yeah. the second one was just it was just like and 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 HQ was like a mall. Yeah. In the second one, it was like as you know, uh, licensing dollars splashed all over the screen. Yeah. But the. I thought this one was, like, it was almost not there. Like, you'd almost have to watch the movie a couple times to watch for that stuff. Uh, but you were saying Rick Baker. I mean, that's the other thing I like about the movie is they could have easily done, like, you know, uh, visual effects, just head replacements, you know, in post for all the aliens in the background at HQ or what have you. And they were all real prosthetic um creatures that Rick Baker did and he's you know he's one of the masters so to have him on the film after doing the other films is really smart
0: yeah no i thought i thought um i mean i Rick Baker is deservedly a legend and um and any Rick Bakerness but also just having stuff for actors to react and act to I, but i do th- i think you're right i think there was the the right amount of that um reveal going on at the HQ it wasn't because in the second one it had got to Q in the James Bond films where you literally like left the film for a bit and had a series of jokes that were almost in complete isolation to the rest of the film and then you got back to the film again. And remember when that stage in the Bond films got to that where you would yeah. just literally go down to Q's thing and it was like stop the film for a second we have to have Bond and Q make some really appalling puns And then we'll get back on with the film again. Yeah. Um, And that's what it was like in the second one. Like, let's stop. We're going to have a lot of gags about who's an alien and who's not. And none of this stuff's going to be to do with anything. And then we'll get back on with it again. I felt felt this one invited the DVD crowd to be able to spot cute stuff um, and some Easter eggs and stuff, which is what you want, really, I think. Because you're going to see it more than once if you're a fan. You'll see it on your iPad. You'll see it in the cinema. You'll see it, you know...
1: I'd watch this on TV, for sure, if it came on. You know, it's fun. I thought some of the dialogue even was was nice and snappy. And, and Will Smith, again, Will Smith in the first one was great. Will Smith in the seven, second one was horrendous. Not his acting, but the dialogue and that the, 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 the quips and all. It was just like, same like, you know, uh, he might as well have been saying Bond, James Bond. You know what I mean? It's like, let's give Will Smith some time to stretch out, you know, his comedy chops. And... In this one, I felt like they, they leaned on it when, they, like when he had to do the, the couple um, neuralizers that he did. He kept it short and sweet and, and funny. Yeah. And it was like four lines, done.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we know that he's going to do that and we want him to do that because otherwise it would be a bit of a shame that he doesn't do it anymore. But yeah, yeah. we didn't need that drawn out. Um, and
1: even when he gets arrested or gets pulled over by the cops, he's like, "What? Just because you see a black guy in a car it's stolen?" And he's like, "Well, actually I did steal this one, but,
0: <laughs> but that's not because
1: I'm black." You know, like I thought that was
0: That was good. You yeah. know, it's
1: good writing. At least, you know, for comedy that way.
0: That's Well, no, it is good, but also by the same token, I mean, Will Smith being an African American, it's a fine line to walk poking fun at at uh, you know, the civil rights movement from the period, which is obviously you know right. as an african american he probably doesn't want to particularly um uh make bad jokes about that so it was a fine line to walk really you know you had to have him make fun of it but not in a kind of completely uh, appalling way no, it was good but
1: then they had the black colonel you know which kind of like ov- like sort of balanced out the yeah. you know some african americans have have ascended you know to to ranks and others haven't you
0: know yeah it's funny about that i was a little at first that's why they've got the african-american guy there just to give some positive uh black figure in the past and then of course when we discover the father thing i'm like okay well maybe i was being too harsh on them so um but it was again like a fine line if you were completely hang on a second that's not going to happen uh like a black president type thing can happen today, but obviously it wouldn't have happened years ago, didn't happen years ago. So you had to have a believable mix there between um, what you needed for the story and uh, what you needed for the period. But, you know, um, clearly uh, this break in the script-making period when they actually got the script under control worked because the endings seemed to come together and those things were balanced pretty well. And, you know, look, we can be super critical, but what the heck. It's meant to be a fun film. It was, as I say, the only problem I've got really is that you've got an evil dude played by one of my favourite comic actors or from a comic duo yeah. and he didn't hardly do any comedy. And I love Flight of the Concords. And I was like, really? Really he's in this? Oh, <laughs> he's in this but I can't recognise that it's him. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, he had like two he had like two kind of off lines that he, you could see him try to squeeze a little in there. It was like it was like Sasha Cohen and Hugo. Like he just he's he's playing a straight guy he's trying to squeeze a little humor in there where he can you know
0: yeah like like it's just boris but the trouble is it's not a funny enough line that it does yeah justice because you know clement is just a really funny guy so
2: i like the uh the sequence when when he first meets himself i, I think he throws uh the box that he's uh, he thinks has got the device in it and the the uh Guy from the future, his version from the future catches it, and they have that kind of dialogue back and forth about losing his arm and and then shouting at each other. That's that's quite funny.
0: It is, but Jermaine is like just, I think, brilliant. Yeah, and I just would have loved to have yeah, somehow yeah. seen him in a role that allowed him a bit more comic effect. But that being said, you know, he was great as the bad guy. He was kind of suitably evil and vicious and nasty, and you know. Got rid of the incredibly buxom, gratuitous, semi-naked woman that breaks him out, which still I can't yeah. quite understand why you end up on the moon with a cake, but anyway. Because, um, because because
1: she's one of the pussy cat dolls, and they did yeah. that was that was one of their uh, one pop culture references. Okay. She was unnecessary, though, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I mean, anyway, it's fine because it's a fun film, right? Um, as yeah. long as the yeah, and I, so I don't think I think I, well, you guys summarize it. It seems to me like our. Our summary is that the visual effects worked. There were a couple of that we were less successful with, but it was pretty ambitious in its variety of stuff that it was doing. But, Matt, what would your sort of summary be on the film?
2: Um, As you said, there were a few little things that were niggly, but I think they were far outweighed by the great work that Sony did. And what I really liked about it, and we've talked about it as we've gone through, is that it, it had a very Men in Black feel. And I think even the way that the effects have been done and with rick baker involved it's just it's kept it feeling part of the family and although some of it was a bit kind of goofy i think that just added to it and so uh overall i thought it was uh fantastic and jason
1: yeah i agree i mean like i said i went in with low expectations and i came out you know very pleased with With the film in general, but I you know there was very few effects that I didn't like and like you said it, it was in retrospect I didn't think about it while I was watching it, but in retrospect it was really ambitious that you would which is why the budget was so high that you would use these you know the opportunity to do you know pretty reasonable visual effects once and not and not put them into larger sequences which i which I like I think that uh helps the audience feel like they're, they're getting a variety of tools that tell the story and not just big set pieces.
0: Yeah, I'd have to say that my takeout well, is I am really glad it didn't fail because I quite frankly thought it was going to. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you how much I thought it was going to fail. We didn't almost do this VFX show because I was pessimistic on the schedule looking forward that the film uh, would be good enough that we would want to spend time on it. and It wouldn't tank right out of the gate. And I'm really glad that didn't, partly because I really like the people at Sony and I think they just deserved a good film, partly because I just don't like any effects film that I cared about to to go south. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that happened. And the other thing is I'm really glad that, that, as we've discussed in the show, both in terms of the effects and the story and exposition, that they're letting effects tell some story in nonverbal terms that is com- quite complex and that the audience gets that and we move forward. Um, and you're using these effects for these little things that explain a whole lot in a really interesting and, and visual way and clearly it's expensive to do it but hey it, it's done really well here so I think it's um, terrific hey um, where are you guys at where can um, people find you starting with you Jason
1: uh, on the Twitters Jason Diamond one word or my newish uh, site with my brother thediamondbros.com com.
2: excellent and uh, you, Matt, my friend. Uh, you can uh, find me again on Twitter at uh, matt d leonard, or uh, I'm over at Sphere VFX.
0: And of course, you can find me at FX Guide and at FX Guide. At the moment, we have a very, very limited. We've done, never done it before. Sale on! If you're interested in effects in, uh, training and want to get into um, either improving and lifting your career to the next level or just doing visual effects work uh our sister site fx phd has its first ever sale so that's all um information on that is available over at fx phd or there's a link to it from fx guide where we've done a story on fx guide which is an episode um of so like from phd so in phd we do a thing called uh background fundamentals it's pretty much like a weekly show the way fx guide tv is uh so we've transplanted one of those things on paul de bevic and the history of the light stage from fx phd stuck in an fx guide and that story i'd recommend because paul de bevic and his team are awesome and they've done really amazing work at ict and at the top of that story you'll find um details on the sale i want to thank you guys i was
1: there i was sorry to interrupt i was there with you recording that and i highly recommend people watch that because it's insane
0: Thanks, man. And you did a great job doing that. I forgot to uh, to mention that, so thank you.
1: Oh, that's all right. Thanks.
0: And particularly as you've, you know, you've got some city miles on you there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: and my class my class is out on After Effects 218 with Danny Prince and my brother on PhD.
0: Oh, excellent. Which is why you were in helicopters filming mm. <laughs> City streets. Wow, it all yes. comes back around. Hey, guys, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. We really, uh, really appreciate the support you guys have given us on FX Guide and on PhD. Until next time, I'm Mike Simmel. See you guys.
2: If you have any questions or comments, please email us at vfxfxguide.com. At Copyright 2012, FX Guide, LLC.